for tuning into the 452nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'll thank you for making me in this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. You can have a great podcast for you guys today, going to have Max Edelstein on the show. We are going to talk about his 75 hard experience, we get into working out, health, fitness, all of that. In the second half of the podcast, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, and all of that. Uh, Now, before we get to my conversation with Max, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, you can click on the timestamp and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it's for your convenience. Also, follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find it. I post three five-minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, if you don't like the pod, then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Max Edelstein with us. How you doing, man? I'm good, Dale. How about you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is just something that I've gotten to see you do from afar. So you started doing uh, 75 hard. So I just want you to explain like what that is and like how you got into it. Yeah, so basically it's like this workout slash mental toughness program that um this guy named andy frizzella started during the pandemic um and it's actually pretty straightforward um so the rules involve you have to do two workouts every day one of them has to be outside and they both have to be 45 minute workouts then the next thing is you drink a gallon of water every day you take a progress picture um you pick a diet Um, that you that works for you and what your goals are basically and you stick to it Um, and then with that diet one of the requirements uh, is no alcohol and then the final thing is you do 10 pages of reading of a uh, non-fiction self-help book every day and you do it for 75 days Um, and if you miss a day you got to start all over again so it's pretty rigid in that way but yeah that was that was what I did for 75 days starting March 22nd, and I got done uh, early June. Did you ever miss a day? I didn't. I did not. When you were going into it, did you think you might? <laughs> no, like, that was that was my thing, like, because I read his book first, like, about explaining all the rules and everything and kind of the specifics of everything, 
And when I read that, if you miss a day, I was like, all right, well, I'm just not going to miss a day because, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, start going through this and then have to start all over again. Like, it's it's a long time. Two and a half months is it's no joke, you know? So you said a gallon of water a day, two workouts a day, no alcohol, 10 pages of reading, and a diet. Uh progress picture like of your body in the mirror like you know shirtless or whatever so i'm assuming progress pick was the easiest out of all those things right yeah yeah <laughs> i just it was kind of like part of my morning routine you, you, you would shower brush your teeth whatever just like a pick real quick um some mornings i i didn't do it so i would just do it at night um but i i found that like i saw better results if i had pictures in the morning just because you usually weigh a couple pounds less in the morning so. <laughs> that's funny uh you also wake up taller in the morning too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that too so out of all the other things which ones were the easiest and the hardest for you like all the way from easiest to hardest um yeah it's a progress picture the 10 pages of reading it was pretty those things were um, pretty easy even the gallon of water wasn't too bad i you know i just got a bottle that works for me i figured out you know if i fill it up five times then i get to 128 ounces so you know those things were pretty easy um i would say the hardest part was definitely the diet and the workouts um there were definitely a lot of days where i was tempted you know to have like a cookie or you know dessert or something high in sugar and I think the diet was definitely number one the hardest just because um, you don't like really think about all the macros and the calories that you're eating until until you start paying attention and still until you start logging every single thing you eat in my fitness pal you know like down to down to the water I mean that's how I track the water too but um, I would say just being able to avoid desserts, because I do have a sweet tooth, I, I will admit that, but that was definitely the hardest part, just staying away from the sweets and candy, things that were high in sugar, um, and then the two workouts. Uh, it was a lot of days I would have to do like an evening run at like, you know, midnight or 1am before I because your day didn't end until you went to sleep that was one of the rules like you could you could you know you could go till 1 2 in the morning as long as everything was complete before uh you went to bed and so definitely the uh the, the outdoor workouts especially early on when it was snowing or raining just kind of had to force myself to get out there and do it you know how long were the workouts 45 minutes minimum each okay so that's not yeah yeah but not 44 not 43 you know if it was 44 minutes and 59 seconds that would be considered not okay you know so so were you actually timing how long your workouts were roughly or were you just like as soon as it's 45 minutes i'm done uh well so for my like for a lot of my weight training uh what i would do is i would just time you know as soon as my first exercise started so i start the timer um but for most of my weight training it would be anywhere from 45 up to an hour and a half for those workouts and then a lot of my second and outdoor workouts were either going on a run or going on a walk so i had a certain like mile distance i knew if i did five miles at about a nine minute pace that got me to 45 minutes and if i was walking 
then it was closer to about three miles at a 15 minute pace. Um, and so those were, those were kind of like the metrics that I used, but I did time everything on my Apple watch so that I knew for sure I had, you know, gotten to the time minimum requirement. So when it was snowing, what was your outside workout? Uh, it was either a walk, run, or a hit bodyweight circuit, high-intensity interval training, where, you know, I'd be doing push-ups, sit-ups, uh, burpees, you know, a uh, rotation of something like that, or a, or a walk or a run. Um, all three of those things were my main kind of go-to outdoor workouts. Why in the 75 hard did you have to work out outside at least once? So that's that was just kind of part of the requirements. Um, one of the workouts every day had to be outside. And it basically was just to make it challenging and a little bit harder. You know, like everyone's so used to being comfortable. And I think a big part of the challenge was pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and committing to do it every day. Also, like just being outside and getting some sun, like it's good for you, you know. So I think those were kind of the main motivations for Andy why he put it in it that in the pro- program that way was there ever a point during the process where if you would see people getting to drink or eating candy or all these things that you can't have that you got irritated or you were like a little like you know damn I'm like i kind of want to do that right now was there ever a moment like that where you're like ah yeah there were definitely a lot of weekends where i went out with all my friends and you know, everybody was drinking. I've never, like, had a problem with drinking, per se, but I've also never gone that long since I've been probably in college without drinking just because it's such, like, a social thing. And I think what I missed the most probably about that was not, like, the big drinking on the weekends, like, at the bars, but more so if I went to, like, a nice dinner and everyone got a drink, I missed... I kind of felt, like missing out on just having that one drink but those drinks are kind of the ones that really get to you and they add up you know one drink at dinner here two at another dinner there um and so those things i would say were kind of difficult but i also did enjoy getting to go out and just uh you know being the designated driver and you know taking care of everybody else so i didn't mind that as much but definitely uh, dinners and things like that I had to, to be careful even when I ordered like off of a menu I had to really make sure that I wasn't you know getting anything high in saturated fats or sugars and things like that when did you start noticing during the process that like your body was changing for the better or even that you just started feeling like you're in better shape I feel stronger I just feel fitter I feel better when during that process <laughs> did you kind of realize that well, so the thing was, is I had already, before I started, I was already down about 35 pounds from my heaviest weight um, as I went into starting. Um, but I would say at about three, like 21 to 28, like that, like third to fourth weekend is where I really started to notice a lot more changes. Um, and where I hit, that's actually the week that I hit my weight loss goal of 50 pounds as well. So um, that was definitely kind of the first sign of change physically. Um, uh, but I feel like I noticed mental changes even after the first week. Well, what mentally did you notice? Um, I definitely started into a better routine, you know, getting two workouts a day 
separate, one outside, like, you have to plan. Like, it's the only way. And so, you know, after the first week, I really started, you know, buckling down on making sure all my workouts were planned in my schedule so that I could, um, you know, get to them and have time for them. And then I also noticed myself, like, a lot of times saying no to people, like, that wanted to hang out just simply because I didn't have the time. Whereas before, I would have a harder time saying no and end up saying yes even even if I needed, you know, to get things done. So I would say those were the main kind of initial mental changes that I saw. Would you ever do it again? 75 I am. I am doing it again, actually. I'm okay. starting. There's... There's phase one, phase two, and phase three, which come after 75 hard, and they include all of the things that are in 75, those five criteria that we talked about, plus three more things, and they're 30 days each. So they're shorter than the other ones? Yeah. So what what does it include in the other ones? So I haven't done a whole lot of research on phase two and phase three. But I know that for um, for phase one, the uh, the first the the it's everything like the diet, gallon of water, and then in additionally you have a five minute cold shower, eight powerless critical tasks, and then ten minutes of like dedicated visualization or meditation. And then with the powerless tasks, it's kind of something that you would. Um, you what you like you make the power list before you start and then basically what it is is you um, you execute those powerless tasks and you know it could be something as simple as like making your bed every day or if you're in a sales position calling 10 clients or something like that so it's basically things that will kind of advance your career or your goals when you started out doing this did you 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 probably knew that there was going to be multiple phases but did you think like after I get through this phase I'm going to do the rest of it or was it just like Actually, one phase at a time? I didn't even really, I didn't, I didn't even really know too much about the phases, and I was just kind of thinking of seventy five. But then when I got done, I was like, "Man, I want to keep going." You know, like I want to do more. So I'm, I'm honestly kind of like antsy to get started on the next phase, but I also at the same time want to enjoy my summer a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you really enjoyed. How would you rate that experience? like a one to ten how much you enjoyed it because it seems like you enjoyed like and i don't want to speak for you but it seems like for my end you enjoyed just like kind of like that mental battle of like being disciplined being able to say no to people also seeing the physical progress and the mental progress but also like overcoming those little challenges yeah i i would give it about an eight in terms of how much maybe 7.5 in terms of how much i enjoyed it um, because, you know, there were nights, like I said, where I'd have, where I'm like sitting, you know, I just got home. I'm like, I, I got, I got two workouts to do, you know, one weight lifting. And then I know I got to do a run later on and I'm, you know, it's, I'd get done with my run and I've got like, you know, let's say like 56 ounces of water left. And it was not very enjoyable when I was just, you know, sitting in bed, chugging water late at night. But, um, I did what I had to do to get it done, you know? Yeah, and the part that I have a lot of respect for is, and I always think about this because, you know, I coached wrestling. I got a chance to coach wrestling this past year, and it's like when you see people in their endeavors, and you kind of see this in life in general, a lot of people aren't willing to do things that are hard. And most people, you know, don't do hard things. That's why they're hard. They take the easy way out. And what you did, like I don't think a lot of people would be willing to, like, 
not have sweets, uh, not have alcohol. I think that would be hard for people, particularly like you're 23, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say most 23-year-olds in America, if you told them, no alcohol, uh, no sweets, uh, working out two days a week, I mean, two days a two times a day, that takes some planning, but I don't think most people will be willing to do that, so does it give you an accomplishment? Not that you necessarily think you're better than other people, but like I'm able to do something that a lot of people aren't willing to do. Yeah, definitely something that is extremely hard and that most people aren't even willing to start. So I think I think for people that are, you know, let's say you're overweight or you haven't worked out in a long time, I think like the basic key to getting everything going is just like it's just it's just like not putting it off, you know, just saying, "Okay, I'm going to start on it. I'm going to see where I'm going to get," you know? And and I think that was kind of my thing with it. I it was I saw it and I was like, "You know, what? I'm going to do this and and no one's going to stop me and I'm definitely going to complete it." And I imagine for you the hardest part had to be the beginning, right? Yeah, the first week was rough. There's no <laughs> doubt, there's no doubt about it. And the other thing was is that I also started to kind of get my mindset in the right kind of place for the diet. I the first 10 days I did keto, which was a mistake, but it definitely got me in that mindset of avoiding a bunch of unhealthy foods. Um, and then after that, I, I switched to a diet that made more sense for, for my goals. But just those first 10 days, for sure, it was a struggle to stay away from all different kinds of food. You know, not just candy, but also things that were high in carbs. So Yeah, because it's like that initial shock to the body of you're like depriving yourself of something that like you give yourself all the time. So like your body's kind of, even though it's good for your body's kind of screwed out. It's like, oh my God, I'm not used to this. I kind of feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I like this. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I can remember uh, there was a point a few summers ago, and you know this, I started running a lot, and I, I was getting to the point where I, I was running like 40 miles a week, like 40 plus miles a week. Like I was getting to that point. I would live right, yeah. right next to a park and I would just go. And I remember like, mm-hmm. and that's why I can relate to you, like when you're saying like the hardest part was at the beginning, everybody at the beginning, it's like, this kind of freaking sucks. But then, like, as I kept doing it, like, it got easier. And then I could do more and more. And it was, like, I just ran, like, nine miles. Not not nine miles straight, but, like, four and a half in the morning, four and a half at night. And most people might say that's a lot of miles. But I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, it's not that bad, right? And most people, when you say, like, I ran nine miles in a day, people are like, holy crap, Daryl. Like, that's insane. I'm like, uh, it's not that bad. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely doable, and I wouldn't consider myself a runner, but I kind of became a runner during the program, you know, like, I, just because, I, I, and another thing was, I was training for a couple of 10Ks at that, at the end of the 75, so I, I kind of had to put myself into a position where I was running every day pretty much. What were the hardest workouts for you? Was it running, the lifting, uh, the body weight circuits? I would say I definitely enjoyed the lifting the most because it was it was like kind of the workout that I just felt most comfortable with. Um, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends who knew what they were doing in the gym, and so for th- having them guide me was. Uh, very very uplifting and um made it a lot easier to get things done in the gym uh i would say the hardest workouts were those 
kind of five mile, six mile runs that I would do to um, get in preparation for the 10K that I, the two 10Ks that I ran. So I would just because I don't like, I actually don't, I still don't like running, but I'm running a, I'm running a 5K on on Saturday morning at 8 a.m. So it's like. You know, I just I just kind of push myself because I feel like that's the only way that I can motivate myself to go running is if I'm working towards something, working towards a goal. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to complete this 5K that I'm doing um, uh, next weekend in under 25 minutes. So I want to, you know, that's kind of like it's been motivating me to get out and run to try to get my mile time down to around that 730 mark, you know. I feel like running is a thing, and I don't run nearly as much as I was, but I feel like running is a thing, like, the more in shape you get and the easier running is, like, the more, like, because it can be boring in general, but just the less difficult it is, you know what I'm saying, like, because when you first start running and you haven't been running, like, that sucks, that freaking sucks, there are very few things that are worse, because it's uncomfortable, you're like, oh my gosh, well, where is supposed to your extra few pounds yeah like as opposed to why when you're lifting you're just kind of sore the next day but it's like okay but when you're running in that moment and you like really aren't in shape like that like it's freaking hard and it's not fun (laughs) yeah and that was one of the other things that i did for a lot of my walks because you know people say oh walking isn't a workout or oh like it's not really you know like you shouldn't be able to like there's there's big debate about it basically so uh, one of the things I did early on in the program was I ordered a 40 pound weight vest um, and I basically like uh, would wear it for my walks and I would even wear it to the gym on a couple of occasions just to feel like what I was the body weight that I was carrying around prior to you know losing it all and it was kind of shocking because I mean it, it was very difficult on some of those three mile walks like I would be just drenched and swept by that, and I'm like, how did I carry around all this weight before? How how much of the vest weigh? Forty pounds. Forty pounds. Yeah. Wow, and that's how much you lost. Uh, a little bit more than forty. Yeah, closer to fifty. But yeah. How much do you weigh now? One seventy. Okay, so at the beginning, then you were like, well over twenty. Yeah. So so was that like kind of the well, reason? I wasn't 220 at the beginning of 75, though. I was closer to around, like, 190 at the start of 75. Is, like, 170, like, your ideal weight? Yeah, I think that's, like, kind of my maintenance weight um, and where I I, kind of, like, wanted to get back down to because that's, like, the weight that I remember being, you know, kind of more in shape at what I weighed in high school and stuff like that. But from here, I'm trying to build, you know, that kind of weight back on but put it on in muscle instead of fat now in terms of lifting uh were you an arms guy chest did you like doing leg day i hate leg day like leg days just yeah i i had a i had a kind of program where i would do i it was it was a five day split so i you know i hit one kind of body group each day chest one day biceps one day, legs another day, tries and upper back on, a, on another day. So I kind of split it up that way. And then weekends were where I got like a bunch of cardio. And so I would usually, <laughs> I usually like play squash on Sunday and do like an ab. And then I also did abs on the weekends mostly too. So I, I definitely had it down to a routine that I followed every week. 
um, which can get a little mundane, mundane, um, but ended up working really well just in terms of scheduling. So I didn't have to worry about what I was doing the next day. I already knew when I was doing it, what I was doing it, and for how long I was doing it. What, so. Which one was your favorite out of all those weight lifts? Um, I really, I actually, I'm not a big leg day guy either. Um, I just did it out of necessity. Um, but I would say I really liked um, chest day probably the most because I was able to see a lot of progress in, in terms of like where my bench press was started and then push-ups, um, the pec deck, flies, everything like that. I saw like the most improvement in terms of like being able to push more weight. Yeah, you see, in about leg day, this is my thing about leg day, <laughs> it's the hardest but uh, it's funny. I think that's the one most guys don't like to do. Like if you go to any gym, I feel like most guys are doing curls. They're doing bench press. I don't typically see a lot of guys who are just like killing it on the squat. I also feel like, but it's also kind of like the most important thing. Because typically like if you're an athlete, like squats are really the most important thing. Like above bench press, it's like typically your lower half. Because that's where all your explosion comes from. Yeah, and in addition to that, they're your biggest muscle groups. And you're usually producing the most testosterone when when you work your legs. So it, can, it contributes to the rest of your workouts and your other body parts as well in terms of growing those muscles too. Yeah. And when people are squatting heavy, I'm like, every day I'm like, oh my gosh. When people say they, they love leg day, I'm like, that's how you know they're really serious. Or they're an athlete. Or they're an athlete. It, it's yeah, either that. Yeah. Yeah, but no, you're right for sure. Because I'll also think to myself, I'm like, you also never see this. I've never seen, like, somebody, like, above, like, 40 doing legs. I typically don't see that either because I'm just, like, at that point, it's, like. <laughs> Not heavy legs, no. <laughs> like doing squats. Were you ever yeah. trying to uh, max out or anything? Like, I'm trying to max out on bench press today, see how much I max out on squats, uh, deadlift. Were you doing hand cleans, too? Uh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't doing as many, like, compound movements like that, and as I, for the, throughout probably the first, like, seven, most of the program, I was doing hypertrophy stuff, so, like, I'd say for the, a little bit more than half of the program, I was doing hypertrophy, so, um, high reps, lower weight, I mean, I still built up the weight, obviously, but I was sticking to high reps, and then towards the end is where I kind of flipped it to, lower reps, higher weight, and where I started to try to max out and hit those one rep maxes. Was there ever a point in the middle of a workout where you were just like, I don't want to do it anymore? Was there ever that point where maybe you are like at 25 minutes and you're like, only 25? Yeah, definitely. So, like, a lot of times, when I, I mean, not a lot, but there were definitely more days where I, where I felt like that. And so if I, if I was in the gym and let's say I got to 35 minutes and I was like, I'm really, I'm just exhausted. What I would do is I would do the last 10 or 15 minutes on the treadmill and I would just set the uh, incline all the way up, go three to 3.5 miles per hour speed and just do a 10 to 15 minute uphill walk to finish out the workout. Cause I felt like that still like it burned a lot of calories. It still, you know, had me sweating. But it wasn't as intense, um, and so that's what that's what was kind of like my way out of kind of filling out the time on days where I really didn't feel like finishing out the work. Did you ever do anything like if there were some days where, let's say, 
right before a workout, or let's say it's the second, uh, later in the day, it's your second workout, you're tired from work or whatever, and you're like, that second workout, you're like, damn, how am I going to do this today? <laughs> like, how am I going to do this today? Were there those yeah, moments? Those, those, those were the days where I would go for a walk for my second workout, okay. and there, there were definitely days where I didn't put on the weight vest to go for a walk, but I would, I would say out of, you know... However many walks I did, I would say about half of them I had the weight vest on for it. And then the other half were kind of those days where I was like, damn, I really got to do an outdoor workout right now. I guess I'll just go for a walk because I don't feel like doing anything else. So I just walk for 45 minutes and, and then call it, you know. Was there anything you ever did to try to get yourself like jacked up for a workout? Like music or maybe like, I don't know, motivational speeches yeah, or something like I that? Mean, definitely music and caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> So what was like your go-to workout playlist? Um, oh, I, I made a whole playlist for working out. I had, um, here, I could pull it up and, and give read off some songs for you. Um, let's see here. So for my workout playlist, first song was Blackout by Breathe Carolina. Um, you know, I had, I had some stuff like I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan. Uh, some people will say this is a girly song, but Wolves by Selena Gomez was a go-to for me. Um, uh, you know, just Warriors by Imagine Dragons, um, you know, just stuff like that that was kind of more like pump-up music. And then I had I had some other things that were more slower pace for my walks. Um, so it really just, it depended on the day, but I, I had about probably... like 13 hours worth of songs in that playlist so it never really got old so is walking actually a workout so according to andy frazella yes it is um and he's the creator so of the 75 hard program so i i followed everything all the rules um that he laid out in his book to a t um and so in my opinion yes walking especially if you're going for a 45 minute walk it definitely qualifies as a workout. Now, if you want, if you want to make it harder, that's where you can add a weight vest, you know, or you know, intervals where you walk and run, walk, run, you know, that kind of thing. But I say, if you go on a forty-five minute walk, that that is a workout at one hundred percent. I completely agree with you. I think people are stupid when they say walking isn't a workout. I think that's a stupid comment. <laughs> You know, and, and that's the thing, like, for some people, it's it's a, it's a on a person-by-person basis, you know, so for someone, let's say, that's 250 pounds, just getting out and going for a walk is super challenging, whereas for someone that's more kind of our athletic um, level, it might not be that challenging, so, but for that 250-pound person, they're going to be dead by the end of that 45-minute walk, so, you uh, that's that definitely qualifies. Yeah, and there's a difference between like super high intensity and low intensity, right? Like I'm not pretending like walking's like, you know, you're gonna lose like necessarily 15 pounds in a week from walking or something crazy, or you're always gonna be dripping yeah. sweat. But like, it's still a workout. You still do it. It still burns calories. Get it's your metabolism going. Sure. I mean, yeah. And the other thing is that um, I always tried to keep my walks to I like I tried to cap it around 15 16 minute mile pace on the walk so I mean if I saw that I was kind of slowing down and I wasn't you know I was at 16 30 mile pace I would kind of pick up the pace a little bit to make sure I got into that 15 to 16 minute range 
uh, by the time I finish the three miles. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk a little bit about the Browns. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high major recruiters looked at the six-foot-tall, 180-pounder and said, quarterback. Throw it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. And Coach Franklin down at Vandy, flipped to Happy Valley. Now I'm coming back back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Max Edelstein with us. So, Max, let's talk about the Browns. Uh, Oh, man. Here we go. So, let's start with the elephant in the room. So, your starting quarterback, uh, you know, I don't know the words to use this. He enjoys, uh, (laughs) he likes to have fun on the side. He likes to have fun. Yeah, yeah. He does, and it's gotten in the it's gotten him into a lot of trouble um, yeah. with the uh, massage Instagram massage therapist. Yeah. A different one every week. You know, it's it's not great. Um, my whole thing with it is like, I feel like the Browns needed some kind of reassurance in order to sign him. Like, I I think they must have been under the impression that he was going to be eligible to play this season. I mean, after being suspended for the whole year last year, that was kind of my impression too. You know. He served. He served his time with the uh, with the suspension for the whole year last year on the Texans, and then, you know, a f- couple weeks ago he gets. I think it was twenty of twenty four of the um, cases dismissed and settled. So it's like I feel like he's you know working towards being ready to go. You know when the season starts, but now, you know the NFL is is bringing up a possible indefinite suspension again. Yeah. Do you, so. How do you feel about? It? Do you think he should get suspended for a year? I think. I think it's not the NFL's place to say. I mean, I know that they they have jurisdiction where they they can do that, and it's in their it's in the players' contract. But at the same time, you know, like they they should have determined how long they were going to suspend him for last year, and and they did. They said, you know, we're suspending you for the whole season. So, I mean, much like the Miles Garrett situation or whatever other situation you want to bring up, you know. You, you do the crime, you serve the time. And then, but now it's like, it, it's just like, seems like it's continuing up. Well, also, this, well, he didn't play because the he didn't want to play for the Texans, so they just like deactivated him. He technically wasn't suspended. He was just not playing for, which you could argue, I guess that's an effect though, suspension. He didn't play football. Right, right. It's not necessarily brought on by the league, but he was out for a whole year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really a whole interesting case, and you know, obviously, he was not found guilty legally. Uh, I, I would right, say, right. though, I personally think, you know, Deshaun clearly has an issue. Uh, I think that's not a crazy statement to say, right? He clearly has an issue that he probably needs to address. Uh, and I would also say, uh, at the very least, he was probably being creepy and making people uncomfortable I, I don't think even and you can be make people feel creepy and uncomfortable without breaking the law uh yeah so he was definitely doing those two things in my opinion now I, I guess where I think where I'm fine if he gets this but it, it just like it's such a bad look for the league <laughs> that like one of your yeah. faces is like I guess that's my thing it's such a bad look 
And then, I mean, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, all right, so we're still, you know, we still got, we, I mean, we have other quarterbacks, but it's like, do we really want to go down the depth chart, you know, if we're taking a look at, say, someone like Jacoby Brissett, or at the end of the day, I mean, Baker Mayfield is still on our team. So it's like, what, what do we do with that situation? You know, I know we're trying to trade him off, but we, we just opted into his you know, fifth year, $18.86 million guaranteed for 2022 for him. And it's like, if we're not going to offload him, I guess it's good to have in the back pocket, but I, I don't I don't really see how he would start. So when Deshaun, when the trade first happened, how were just, like, because you're around Browns fans, like you live in the Cleveland area, what was, like, the reaction? Was there, like, people who were more upset or was it like, we finally got like a bona fide top five quarterback, Super Bowl, here we come. What was kind of the mood about it all? I feel like it was definitely more of a, a mixed bag. Because there were definitely, I mean, everyone knows that he has, you know, he's a good quarterback. There's no doubt about it. But people were worried about this. People were worried about the um, suspension, the impen- you know, pending pending cases and things like that. So I, I think people were excited, but at the same time they were worried because, you know, with with these kind of situations, it's always up in the air and you, and you never really have full control of the situation. Do you think that getting Deshaun was a big slap in the face to Baker? Because I can only remember there was like a report where it came out that part of the reason, you know, they didn't want Baker as they wanted an adult in the room, right? They thought Baker was immature. And I'm like, so, okay, we're going to put out the report that Baker's not an adult, but then we're going to get Sean Massage Watson here. Like, that's crazy. So do you think Baker was kind of dragged through the mud and a bit disrespected through, like, this whole process? And obviously he's upset. Yeah, I mean, but, deser- but deservedly so. I mean, he really, he really messed up our season last season. I mean... You know, he missed wide open passes time after time and fumbles and sacks and not getting rid of the ball on time. So, you know, and then and then there's the whole thing with, well, he had a shoulder injury the whole time. And it's like, well, why were you playing the whole time if you were injured? It almost feels like an excuse to me. Like, you know. So you have no sympathy for Baker. I really don't have a lot of sympathy. I was very supportive and hopeful that he can make something happen but you know after the pain that we went through last season with a you know early playoff exit it's just like I don't know so I guess my thing with Baker why I feel a little bit sad for him is yes the injury people could call it as an excuse though and clearly in my opinion I don't think he should have been out there towards the end I, I think he should have been deactivated because there was a while where it was just like he was better than how he played towards the end of the season where you could really tell the shoulder was getting it was like okay like there's I was like Case Keenum's better than him right now. So Yeah, and I actually I went to one of the games Case Keenum played and we won. So was it the Broncos like, one? Yeah, it was. I, I was at that game and okay. I was like, damn, Keenum doesn't look half bad in this game. But I don't think it was because Baker was Baker just bad. I mean, he has a shoulder injury and he's like a freaking quarterback. Like, I mean, like, it's like, what do you want the guy to do? Like, I think physically it was just yeah, difficult. So, so who let him play, though? Or who, who gave the all-clear on that for him to go out there, in a, you know, basically in a sling and play? It's like he shouldn't have been playing, but he did. So, you know, you, the blame has to go somewhere, you know? Yeah, no, I think there is blame. I think part of it's being selfish because 
you quote unquote want to be the quarterback when you can't give your team the best chance to win. But I also think there's blame to go around to Stefanski and whoever's making the medical decisions there because to me there's no way you should let the guy go out there like that. <laughs> I because yeah, because I, I was definitely. like because I'm like what are they seeing in practice because like if he's throwing balls on the ground and missing people, these people aren't idiots. They it's like they'll have the old Dell Beckham situation like. You know, when when it went awry, like right, and everything went crazy. It's like you can't believe me. You can't tell me that Stefanski's not seeing this crap go down in practice. And he's like, okay, Baker just won't give Odell the ball. Like, okay, no issue here. Clearly, Odell's upset. Okay, Baker's missing everybody. His shoulders effed up. Okay, there's an issue here. We have a good backup quarterback. We paid Case Keenum. He's one of the highest paid backups in the NFL. Got the Minnesota Vikings to an NFC Championship. Like Case Keenum's okay, and the Browns don't ask very much. They just run the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt anyway. Like it's not that difficult. Yeah, I mean, when you have a run-centric offense like that, you know your quarterback doesn't have to be a Tom Brady. You know, you can you can have as long as you know they get the job done, and when they do need to throw it, they make accurate passes, and you can get by. But you know, that obviously didn't happen last season, so it, it is frustrating, and, you know, there's definitely something to be said about why Stefanski let Baker play through that injury. So, what was the point for you last year where you're like, Baker's really messed up physically and just, this isn't working? When was that moment for you when you realized, okay, something's really wrong? I don't know if, it, if there was a certain moment. I feel like it it kind of just um, kept developing. I do remember there was one game against the Las Vegas Raiders that we played that was like we needed to win, right? And I think it was on. It was like it was it was midway through the season, and we lost like sixteen to six. Like we didn't even score a touchdown in that game. I was like, damn, you know, we can't even beat like the Raiders and. I don't know where this is going to go from here. We didn't even put up a touchdown. I remember watching it and just thinking, this is going to start going downhill. You know, it was when we were five and three, so we had a winning record, but it just, it wasn't looking good. You know, I think Baker, Baker went like 12 for 25 that game with 122 yards. And it was just kind of like an abysmal performance. So after the season was over, were you kind of like, we need to get rid of Baker? Like Deshaun aside, knowing who they were going to get, were you just like, Baker just needs to go? Or were you like, okay, we can give him one more chance and see if we can right the ship? I was kind of thinking one more chance, you know, like deal with your injury in the offseason, come back strong, rely on the running game. Um, and then when the Deshaun Watson news broke, I was very mixed mixed bag of feelings for sure because you know i got i got a baker mayfield jersey i got a baker mayfield poster right up i'm looking at it in my room right now so it's like i don't want i you know i was i was i was a fan of his for sure and i wanted to see him be successful but it just didn't pan out is the baker mayfield uh poster going down and it, it is down it's like not on the wall anymore, <laughs> but it's still <laughs> it's it's like behind a few things, but it's still there for sure. At one point, did it go down? Was it the bad play that made it go down, or was it when Deshaun came in? <laughs> uh, after we lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round. Oh, okay, so this was last. <laughs> so you were done with them after that? Yeah. That was like more than a year ago. Okay, Max. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, I'll put it back up like once, once we get back in the next year's season, but... 
and he, and he just never earned it back. He's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So that means you also can't wear the jersey anymore, really, right? I know. Well, I, I've got my Garrett jersey, and I, I usually... Well, that, that's the other thing, is I really stopped wearing the Baker jersey after the Broncos game. Like, I wore the Garrett jersey, the Miles Garrett jersey, to the Broncos game, and then pretty much every Sunday after that, I was wearing the Garrett jersey, so... So let's say Deshaun is able to play the whole season. How good are the Browns? I think I think we're in a great position. Um, you know, with the running game with Nick Chubb and um, uh, Kareem Hunt, even Darius Johnson too. I mean, he's great. I really, I actually like a few of the picks that they they got. Um, the slot receiver David Bell. I think he's going to be a great addition. I don't know if you know too much about him. But, yeah, the uh, Purdue wide receiver. Sorry. Yeah, he's from Purdue. He's good. Yeah, pr- yeah, exactly. It's Purdue. Um, and, you know, I'm also a big kicker fan, so I actually like the Cade York pickup in the fourth round. Um, he was an LSU guy, and he broke a lot of records there, had a great percentage. And I, I honestly think kicking is becoming a bigger part of the game than people realize. So I, I also like that piece of the puzzle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with Amari Cooper, that, I was super excited about that trade. Um, I actually had Amari Cooper on, on a couple of my fantasy teams last year, so I'm a big fan of his. So, and you know, and I think we have a good, you know, young receiving core. There's people like Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones that um, maybe didn't get their full chance to shine last year, but are definitely going to be in the spotlight this year. Um, and then there's another there's another guy like we picked him up. Um, kind of recently, his name's Isaac Rochelle on the defensive end. Um, he was on the Colts last year, picked up, had about 17 tackles last year, and I think like in 2020 when he played a lot more snaps, he had close to 35, 40 tackles. But I, you know, I, I like solidifying the defense with him. You know, obviously we've got Miles Garrett, and we also picked up a couple of other defender defensive ends and defensive tackles in the draft. So. Um, I'm liking what we're looking like, and I think we can be a Super Bowl contender, um, definitely if Deshaun is, is going to be able to play. Well, I have to say this. Kicking is extremely important. Every Buffalo Bills fan knows that. Scott Norwood's uh, ride went right uh, that lost the Super Bowl. So kicking is very important. Uh, for Baker, uh, with Baker and Deshaun to go back to that, if Deshaun, some people have said, right, if Deshaun is suspended for however long he's suspended, they do have a quarterback in Baker who got to them playoffs a few years ago. Like, Baker's a solid QB. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. Should the Browns try to talk Baker into coming back to the Browns if Deshaun can't go right out of the gate? Because it works good. Baker gets to build up his trade value, and the Browns get a competent quarterback. to say it is really hard to say but I mean he's kind of like our only other option like you said there's Jacoby Brissett but besides that it's like I don't know where, where else do you go you, I mean, you only have so many quarterbacks on the depth chart do you think Deshaun's gonna get suspended I I can I don't know there's like there's court cases like going on literally right now um, trying to decide that, but uh, it's it's really hard to say as someone who's only really seen like 
you know, news reports and things like that, it, it's, it's I, I would lean towards no, but it, it could go either way. I think it's 50-50. So, last question for you. How would you feel if LeBron came back to Cleveland? That's never happening. It's never <laughs> happening? No, never. I, I mean, I think the only way he would come back is if Bronny Jr. Jr. ended up on the Cavs. I think that we, I think that gets him back. But other than that, yeah. Max, I think there's a chance LeBron comes back when his contract's up with the Lakers. I don't see it happening. We'll 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 get back on the pod and talk about it if it, <laughs> if, uh, if things change. But I I don't see it happening. But then again, I said that when he went to Miami. So <laughs> you never know. I I mean, like anything can happen. So I'm not ruling it out. But we'll talk we'll talk at the when his contract's up and and we'll we'll have to reassess. But but quote me now saying I don't think he's coming back. Lastly, I'll say this. I think Garland and Mobley, if they develop the right way, it can be very enticing. Mobley's going to be really, really good, and Garland's already a 20-point guy. You can't forget about Sexton either. He's coming off the injury uh, from last year. I like him too. Oh, I'm not very high on Sexton, but (laughs) Sexton is – so Sexton's a good young player. They got him the Kyrie trade. He's fine. Uh, All right. (laughs) Max, thanks for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And once again, I want to thank Max for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 452nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.